Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack. My book is now available on Audible and iTunes, so feel free to check it out. Really appreciate it. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra-marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my god, you because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Welcome to episode 103. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a fun episode. You'll get to hear from my very first running coach and um, his wife. Excited for that. And then we catch up with the two podcast co-hosts, Michelle Barton and Julie Moulton. And we just chat about all things running. We talk about Bigfoot 200. Michelle just finished Iron Legs and... It was fun just chatting, and then we finished with attempted Michelle Barton prank call to uh, Gordy Ainsley. So it's um it's a longer episode, so I'll keep the sponsor mention short here. Thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Destination Trail, Exoskin, Ultimate Direction, and Sufferfest Beer. Really ap- appreciate their support. And if you have not already, you can check out 401k for pediatriccancer.com. It will forward you to the uh, location of the fundraiser website that I am starting up to raise awareness for histiocytosis. So check it out. Every dollar donated up to the first $5,000 is going to be matched by Empower Retirement. So every dollar counts. I truly appreciate it. And yeah, thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. Um, In fact, that reminds me, I need to give a special shout out to some of our new Patreon supporters. Big thank you to Pat and Todd. Both of you guys are helping out a ton along with every single one of you Patreon supporters. And they know behind the scenes we're working on a new piece of Training for Ultra gear So they'll have exclusive access first, but thank you guys for all the support. Let's just get right to the show. Thank you guys. All right. We are in person at the go far run shop here in Boulder on Pearl. Highly recommend this place if you haven't been here and I'm hanging out with my new coach, Matt Daniels. And his wife, Lauren, who is also a coach, and just excited to touch base with him on some coaching-related questions, see how he's doing, 
you know, get some insights on, on Lauren's coaching and what she's been up to and how she's feeling going into her big race. And yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Rob. Um, yeah, very excited. This is my uh, actually very first podcast ever. So that's fun. <laughs> so this is an exclusive. Um, <laughs> and we're awkwardly passing around one single mic, so forgive me. Um, I'll make sure to edit this out so it feels really, really natural. But um, I initially reached out to Matt to make sure that things were going correctly, that I was going through recovery from Bigfoot 200 in a smart fashion because I'm always thinking about the long term and I don't want to burn out obviously doing the triple crown he helped me initially with my taper going into Bigfoot I think that's when we quasi started to um, work together and you had given me some really good insights you you seem to have been happy with some of the quicker flatter stuff that I was working on I used almost a David Roach um, like a approach or mindset going into it um, similar to what Claire and him did for CCC a while back I had read an article and wanted quicker turnover into the vert um, but I'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on Bigfoot 200s the taper any other insights that are um, kind of next level coaching thoughts on these stupid long distances that you're now pretty much a part of after states you're a hundred miler yeah so you know i i guess with the the 200s we're still in this like really unknown territory um as you know from a coaching standpoint it's something that's very new and um and you know especially trying to help somebody through uh three 200 plus mile races in a span of three months that's you know that's something that's um, complete unknown territory. So um, the big thing with with you, I think that uh, I looked at and that we kind of discussed a little bit was um, beforehand, you were just out doing mileage. And um, and that's good. You know, you build a huge aerobic base by doing that. And, um, and you can get fit by doing a lot of that, you know, low-end aerobic running. Uh, but something that where I think you would start to see really huge improvements is improving on that running economy and um, getting in a little bit of just uh, more raw speed and so doing a few quicker runs um, strides or lighter workouts sort of things I think was going to make the biggest difference for you and that's kind of a trickle down effect so um, a lot of people think speed work oh you don't need to do that for something that you know where you're going to be out running for four days but if you can improve your running economy by doing a little bit of speed work and all of a sudden your mile time's a little faster um, eventually you know your two mile time's going to be faster and it just kind of you know it keeps trickling down over over the distance and so um over time uh, you're going to find yourself going out for a run for an hour or two and you're going to be running 20 or 30 minutes faster just at you know same effort as you were before just from getting in a little bit of that speed work and i think uh that's what we saw happen going into bigfoot and then um and then having a uh having a nice taper um helped a lot too so you had a really hard effort what what i think we did maybe two two and a half weeks out and then um 15 yeah 15 days and then and um, yeah, so we had you know a big effort then, and then and then you started to uh, taper off a bit and do some uh, shorter, um, easier runs again. But uh, your body, while well, your body was soaking up that um, stress adaptation from that big workout, and I think we saw 
uh, a big change there and going into Bigfoot, obviously probably the fittest you've ever been. Yeah, and I do appreciate your help throughout that taper. I've tapered, God, probably 30 times at this point, but having you kind of reassure that I needed a quicker effort 15 days out and 10 days out, or at least I had someone to listen to, um, was helpful. And a lot of this, ironically enough, uh, started with um, being in the car, going to the grocery store, and Lauren, you were like, what workouts you brought up the the word workout and um embarrassingly i didn't even know what a workout was um do you remember that conversation you probably thought i was like the uh one of the dumbest runners probably on the planet no i didn't think that um yeah i remember that conversation and i was surprised i just i guess because i have been doing this for so long um workouts are just a part of the week, a part of the cycle, a uh, part of a good race. Um, and so I guess I'm learning that not a lot, not a, some people aren't aware that workouts can be a part of your running and that's how you do, how you get faster. So it was surprising. Um, and so I was kind of glad that you reached out to Matt about coaching because I was like, imagine how much better you could be once you put in, you know, a few faster efforts or a little bit more structure into your training besides just doing mileage. And um, for the listeners' background, Lauren qualified for, what, the Olympic trials in, in the marathon? When, when is that, and how is your training, not to totally side rail the conversation, but... Yeah, um, the marathon trials for 2020 are at the end of February um, in Atlanta, Georgia, so... Um, I qualified in January, so I've just been, you know, putting in some, putting in some mileage, trying to get a little bit quicker. Uh, it's a kind of a tough course I hear with a thousand feet of elevation gain, which I know is not a lot for all the trail runners and ultra runners out there, but for a fast road marathon, that's a lot. Um, so I'm hoping to still have a good race and practicing a little bit more in the hills and the climbs and things like that. I did 42 times that um no I'm just kidding. <laughs> um so but how should I approach um going back to Bigfoot 200 how should I approach recovery at this point what's going on with my body uh the morning so I finished at roughly 7 30 uh, p.m on I think it was Monday night Tuesday morning first thing I was watching people finish and ran a lot, like a 400 meter loop around the uh, the finish, and my legs felt refreshed. I was craving running, <laughs> like 12 hours later. Um, and then I set a, a PR on my 5K 10 days uh, from Bigfoot. What what's going on with my body? Because that's not normal. Um, I mean, it's a good problem to have recovering too fast and. Let's talk about Tahoe and yeah. Yeah. Well, you may be a little bit of a freak actually, um, with how fast you're recovering from that 200 mile effort. Um, but you know, I think it, (laughs) that is me saying that. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I think it goes back to is, um, the, the training you had put in before. Um, so you're, you completely, um, put in these new stress adaptions that your body had never experienced before. And so you had a lot of, um, higher end, 
aerobic to aerobic, you know, anaerobic threshold type runs going into that race. And so when, you know, you know, you're going out for, um, a 200 mile race, you're the majority of that race is going to be really low end aerobic running. You're not going to have to dig into too many different, um, if you will, energy systems or anything like that. You're just kind of plodding at a steady pace, trying to be smart about, you know, um, about everything. And from, um, you know, what I've, I've heard listening to your uh, re- recap of the race and talking to you a little bit, it sounds like your nutrition was on point uh, during the 200. And I think part of um, recovering really fast was probably the fact that you were able to take in so many calories and um, and feel good, you know, and stay on top of it that way. And so um, another thing is, is you've done this a few times now. So if you think back to maybe the first time you did a 50K and how wrecked you were after that 50K and then, um, you know, 350Ks later, think about how quickly you're recovering from them. Um, this is, you know, this is now, what, your, that was your second 200, um, and you've done multiple hundreds and uh, 100Ks before that. And, um, yeah, and you just, like, we did a 100-miler, not, you know, just a few months before that, a really tough course that was running a little bit slower, too. So um, I think your body's just getting accustomed to the stress and adapting to that. And um, setting a 5K PR just a few days after is something that's unreal. It's, it's maybe one of those like outlier type things that's unexplainable. Um, but it, you know, you could be a runner that, um, you get a lot from confidence. So having a good race, um, maybe going out and running a little bit faster pace that, uh, you know, you're getting a lot from the confidence you had from having that good race or having this new untapped speed that you never had before. And I, I think I probably ate 42 times the uh, number of calories that you did um, at States. Um, <laughs> so I got both of you. Um, <laughs> you might have both qualified for Olympic trials, but um, <laughs> where was I going to go? No, I, I agree with Bigfoot. And I think my mentally my pain threshold um, has changed quite a bit with perspective on you know, this fundraiser and what is suffering and that sort of thing. And I I remember, um, yeah, during that 5K, hitting two and a half miles when things for me at least get pretty rough. And just my whole perception on pain has totally shifted. So I kind of broke through some kind of of wall there. It got me an extra quarter of a mile maybe. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I... Again, it was super weird negative splitting a 200-mile race. I, we'll see what Tahoe, how that goes. I mean, should I extend my taper further? Because I was planning, we're three weeks out. I was going to actually try to run maybe five times, mostly easy, and do the same harder effort 15 days out, harder effort 10 days out, and just basically keep it the same. Um, a little bit higher volume this week because I feel like my body's retaining everything I'm eating and I don't want to put on 10 pounds to carry around for 200 miles. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, going into Tahoe and that strategy? Yeah, I would, um, I definitely look at more like an approach of just kind of maintaining. I wouldn't, um, you know, it's a really quick turnaround from, uh, from Bigfoot to Tahoe, and then you're going to have it again for Moab. So, um, you know, what you want to do in between those big races is just, you know, the number one goal is to obviously stay healthy and and keep any sort of like injury or niggle at bay. And, um, you know, by doing that is eating a lot, um, keeping the efforts a little bit, you know, lower. It's good to have 
um, one or two harder efforts in, that, in those three or four weeks in between just um, to kind of wake the legs up and wake the system up. But um, other than that, you just realistically, you just want to kind of keep the easy runs going and, and maintain what, what you had going into Bigfoot because uh, it's a lot easier to screw that up by doing too much and running too hard um, than it is by, you know, just keeping the runs easy and maintaining. I mean, my only injury is my my wrist from eating so much ice cream and <laughs> eating so much food. I mean, I, I'm totally injury-free, though, which is a good place to be, and I feel like honestly that's probably the biggest thing for me going into Bigfoot was every single block and then um, race has been injury free basically even before CCC so it's been just a totally injury free period and so I'm just trying to be really smart and so you still think two two harder efforts or should I do one what do you think yeah I mean I think um, at this point Probably just maybe one more harder effort, um, and it would probably even be dialed back a little bit to where maybe it's a longer effort, but in the middle of that longer effort, you put in some sort of uh, moderate tempo or something. So you can go out for your normal, you know, hour to ninety-minute run that you that you would do two weeks out or whatever, and uh, in the middle of a taper. But maybe in the middle of that run, do something, you know, for twenty or thirty minutes. It's a little bit more up tempo. Um, you had your five K PR a few weeks ago, so I would consider that a. Um, or two days ago, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I'm getting everything mixed up here. So, I think um, you know that sort of stimulus and effort is is great, um, and I don't think you need to do really anything more than that, uh, especially you know with two of your bigger goal races coming up. So, yeah. All right, and and last thing on my personal running, and then I want to hit you guys with just a few more questions. And thank you for making it out here. This is my favorite run shop, probably in the world. I've been to a few. It has a coffee bar, and you can check out merch while you're while you're enjoying coffee. But um, thank you for helping me with Moab 240. Um, having you on crew and pacing, I had to call in the fastest guys I knew. <laughs> um, having you, Kyle Patari, Anime Flynn, it's just a huge boost to I think if anything my morale and just knowing that the community is supporting this effort, this fundraiser. And, um, you know, within the show notes, I'll have a link to that fundraiser page if you have interest. But what are your thoughts on um, crewing and pacing with Kyle? He's not quite a uh, sub for like official time. Anime Flynn, maybe I'll, I'll have her help on some some of the steeper climbs in the LaSalle's um, kind of is this like a U.S. mountain running team almost or what are your thoughts on on this and what are your thoughts on I mean being out in Moab and yeah yeah I mean you've put together an incredible team for Moab it's gonna be uh it's gonna be awesome I can't wait to to spend the uh those few days out there with everybody I think um you know the biggest thing to have success in a goal race is to surround yourself with an awesome awesome crew of people you trust and um, people that have been down that road before is all it's always important because um, for 240 miles, the amount of stuff that can go wrong is, um, you know, the list could go on for days. And so I think having people that have, have kind of experienced uh, that sort of thing in, in ultras and then um, also, you know, a lot of the people you've recruited uh, are just stand-up people, awesome, fun, positive people, and uh, I think that that's going to make a big difference. So 
I'm looking forward to the weekend, and I'm hoping, like, you know, we can be there for you and, and uh, give you everything you need, and it's going to be a, a, a huge success, I think. Yeah, again, I just really appreciate it. I think it's a cool experience, and that actually kind of segues into um, a question I have for you. I was thinking about it, and normally I would just text you or whatever, but um, how does funding work for the U.S. mountain mountain running team or you know that team usa because i've heard that a lot of times you guys have to buy your own flights like is corporate sponsorship allowed like how much how do we change that so that you know an anime flynn doesn't have to buy her own flight if that's the case i don't know if she does um tell me a little bit more about that situation and how can we change it to make the u.s team show up you know get the best athletes to wherever um, that event is in the world. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of tricky actually, and this uh, could be a whole podcast of its own, to be honest with you. But um, so all the funding comes from, uh, I guess, a money pool that USATF has, USA Track and Field, and um, and USA Mountain Running is part of USATF. And so, I guess what happens, you know, at, at the beginning of the year is there's the big budget meetings, and they decide. Um, how much track and field is going to get, how much um, ultra running is going to get, how much mountain running is going to get, uh, race walking for all these different uh, world championships and, and for travel and, and things like that. And uh, there's, a, you know, there's a few teams I've been on that have been fully funded um, by USATF. So obviously you pay for your own ticket and then you get reimbursed after, after the world championships a few months after. Um, but that's not always the case for every world championships and a lot just – depends on the budget and how much money USATF has at, at the moment. Um, and to be honest, I don't know where all the money comes from. Um, and, I, and I don't know how it gets distributed. Um, it'd be something you'd have to sit down and, and have in the meetings. But for athletes that aren't sponsored, it's, it is really kind of a bummer because you have, um, you know, most sponsored athletes have a travel budget from their, their um, shoe companies or whoever sponsors them. But, um, a lot of these world championships are at the end of the year, and sometimes you're you're through your travel budget already from going to big races like Western States or something like that. And um, and then if the world championship's not funded, it can be kind of frustrating because the world championship may be in somewhere like Switzerland, and a flight to you know Switzerland and back can be over you know a couple thousand dollars sometimes or over a thousand dollars. And so um, if you don't have that extra money, you know it's really hard to justify going out there uh, and and racing international because it, it's uh it's a big stress not you know i mean it breaks your bank account it's a big stress that's that's helpful i just part of me really wants to try to help 2020 and figure out some kind of solution to get the best athletes out there because you know, the more i learn about it the cooler those events are and yeah i was just trying to work through some kind of solution because i i know there's a lot of talent that's maybe holding back for just a few thousand dollars that could be pooled somehow um yeah i'm i'm really excited to join the matt daniels run club where can people check that out and then lauren i have just some really hard question hard hitting questions for you here um yeah so you can check out um matt daniels run club.com that's uh my coaching website and there's uh, plenty of information on there you can um you can go on there and kind of see what it's all about uh, and then you can always email me as well um, my email address is mattdaniels480 at gmail.com so um, I usually respond right away when I get an email and um, 
yeah, it's a good way to, to reach out. I'm also on all, you know, all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Strava, all that fun stuff. It's just uh, Matt Daniels 480. Um, so yeah. <laughs> is that an old area code or zip code or wait, what's 480 stand for? Be honest. So in all honesty, this is kind of hard hitting here. Yeah. This story sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wanted to use my first and last name. Uh, and then um, that was taken. So then I put my favorite number four. That was taken. So I put in eight because, of course, four plus four is eight. That was taken. Matt Daniels 48 was taken. So I just added a zero and there we were. <laughs> I, I mean, I was guessing, like, how many times has he been arrested for now? It, yeah. like, it's, it's kind of funny because four now is a – it's always been my favorite number for whatever reason. Um a big part of my life is breaking four minutes in a mile, and then I just ran Western and I was fourth. So maybe I need to change that number to like three or one or something now. <laughs> there you go. That's you haven't heard that story before. Um, so uh, is is there a Lauren Daniels Run Club? And tell me about your coaching. Tell me how long you've been running, and the listener hasn't heard from you. This is podcast exclusive here um you're a heck of a runner seriously we should have you on for a whole episode but um yeah give me some background there um so I am actually also part of Matt Daniels Run Club um coached by Matt and husband um so yeah I'm just along with along for the ride with him um I uh, don't have a specific name or anything. I've just met people through community and social media um, who I've connected with and, you know, wanted to coach that way. I've been running since elementary school. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in Hawaii, so I remember running around dirt tracks, um, barefoot, and that's kind of where it all started for me, and it's just kind of escalated um, through high school and college and then starting marathoning after college um, and then moving out here to Boulder to try to qualify for the Olympic trials. Um, so this will be my second marathon Olympic trials um, in February 2020, which I'm pretty excited about. I actually took a couple years off. Um, and then Matt got me back into running and got me in shape super quickly. So. Um, I may be biased, but I think his coaching works. So, <laughs> I mean, is there ever a time when like you guys are upset at each other and, and like the training changes? Does he make you do like a long run when maybe you're like, ah, I don't need a long run right now. I'm, I'm totally kidding. How, how is it, you know, being married to your coach? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So in the beginning, it was a little rocky. Um, I think he was obviously unsure about coaching me. And, you know, he was like, why don't we find a different coach for you? And I was like, what, you don't want to coach me? Um, but once I started having some success in races, I think we both felt really confident um, about what was going on. So after the first race or two, I think those insecurities for both of us were totally gone. Um, and the nice thing about, you know, I'm not running with a team. I used to run with a team and I'm kind of individual now. The nice thing about that is that the coaching is super flexible. So if I'm feeling very tired or, you know, niggles coming on, the coaching is flexible. I can do a workout, you know, two days later than I was supposed to. And in that case, it's really easy to have your coach sitting next to you on the couch and easy to have that conversation with him. Um, so it actually works 
works out. It's worked out for us really well and no complaints, no arguing whatsoever past the first couple initial months of it all. And, and so you're getting into coaching now, is that correct? And like what distances are you coaching? And, and tell me more about, you know, making that changeover. Um, yeah, so I've been coaching, I guess, quietly for a while. Um, and, you know, seeing the success that Matt has is really exciting. So I've kind of just been putting it out there a little bit more um, that I have been coaching since I've been I've dabbled on the trails a little bit, but I'm definitely more comfortable um, as a road athlete and road distances. So most of the athletes that I do coach, um, you know, are on the roads and running halves and marathons and 10Ks and, you know, all those distances. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I've just been working with them. It's it's some people similar to you who had, you know, a lot of mileage, but no um, speed work or anything like that in their programs. So that's definitely, yeah, no structure. Um, so that's something that I've been helping them with. And it's really crazy to see, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a little bit now and it's, it's still crazy to see new athletes come on and just the excitement that they feel after a couple months when their easy runs are so much quicker than they were before. And, you know, their PRs, are so much quicker than they were before, just after a couple months of adding in those little, you know, those little things. So I'm really enjoying seeing that from some of the athletes. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and we'll stay in touch, obviously. Anytime I'm in Boulder, this is uh, this has been really fun. It was awesome hanging out at States with you, Lauren, and glad you made that comment and looked at me funny uh, in the car about workouts because that had me – People are probably like, what happened at Western States and why why is Rob's easy run now like at this pace? So she had so many pizzas, half of which were for Matt. Um, but yeah, I appreciate your guys' time. We'll stay in touch. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have more structure. And I think Matt and I will really start hitting it after I finish the triple. Um, we'll start really focusing in on on some key goals going forward. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Rob. First podcast. Woo. <laughs> hey. Hello, hello. What's up? What's up? Congratulations on Bigfoot. Thank you. I'm on You're I'm, welcome. I'm on with um my my book editor and now Julie. Yeah, future hello. future podcaster. Hi Julie. Congratulations <laughs> nice to, to you too. Hey, nice thank to you. you too. Congrats on your race, by the way, Michelle. Oh yeah, it was so amazing compared to yours. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> there's there's no comparison. You did Iron Legs. How how many k miles? How many did you do? Fifty well, or that course is brutal. Like people were dropping out because there was bears with cubs. Even the oh, sleepers dropped out. No, yeah, way. like there were in three different places, people dropped out because of bears with cubs. But it was—it's just such a vertical race. Like, um, I did seventy k, and it was like over wow. eleven thousand five hundred feet of gain. Jeez, and that, wow. it, yeah, and and like there was no female finishers in the hundred k. There was like only five finishers for the hundred k. That's what I signed up for, and the race director lets you like bump up or down distances during the race, which is cool but i'm not really used to that so 
most people yeah. like dropped down or dropped out. It was tough. We had a lot of snow too. Oh my gosh, where was this race? Canada, um, okay. in Kananaskis, Alberta. It's like near oh. Calgary. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I've actually been there. No way. Where? Yeah. <laughs> that's bizarre. <laughs> I know. I'm Rob, st- can you hear me okay? Or is I'm still, still back on bears with cubs. Sorry. <laughs> that <laughs> oh, freaks like, me out. You don't like bears or you don't like spiders? I forgot which uh, one is it or both. Both. In, in sharks. <laughs> I, uh, okay, sharks basically I like. any kind of wildlife and I'm no, no. I'm I'm only I'm only scared of grizzly bears and it sounds like the area you're in yeah. sometimes has grizzlies, so well, we had to carry bear spray or they don't let you start the race. And if some reason, like, you want to drop your bear spray because it's t- too heavy, they disqualify you. Like, it's serious. So I just pretty much ran with people the whole time. And there are definitely bears out there. But Yikes. You had bears last time you were out in Canada, too, right? Yes. At the Every time. Race. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that time of year. Right. Yeah. Any time, other than when it, when you're skiing there and not running. I, know. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. Yes, it's been. I've never t- seen one. I, I saw one up uh, in Squaw Valley, actually. It's oh, okay. a story that I'm saving for a special time because it was so this ridiculous. Is very special. So stupid. So so stupid. By the way, for the listeners' background, Michelle Barton just was published in a book, and Julie Bolton just got published in Ultra Runner magazine for her race report. She's also awesome editor. So we have some writing talent on the show tonight. I'm in. Uh, yeah, the bar is very high here, so I'll pick my words very <laughs> carefully. Uh, Michelle, what 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 book were you just yeah, published in? You're the only one. You're the only one with a full book. I just have a chapter. I, <laughs> I, I am very fortunate. Yes. Um, I want to hear more about your book, though, Michelle, or your one chapter. Sure, I'd be happy to tell you about it. It's Chicken Soup for the Soul: Running for Good, and Dean Carnazzi's uh, teamed up with Amy Newmark. She's the um, publisher of the whole series of Chicken Soup for the Soul. She has a podcast out too. But uh, about eight years ago, they asked me to be involved in the first edition. So um, that's like 101 inspirational stories of energy, endurance, and endorphins for runners. And so Dean <laughs> had a chapter and I had a chapter. And then this is the new one. And actually, my dad has a chapter in it too called You've Been Geezered. <laughs> so um, my chapter, yeah, so like, he just ran Trans Rockies with Gordy. That was his partner, and they had so much fun. They finished, and they did great. My dad's actually, like, summiting Mount Whitney right now today. But he's just, like, <laughs> training crazy. So how he how just, old like, is he? He's 80. He's 80. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's seriously a life goal of mine right there. Do Trans yeah. Rockies when <laughs> I'm 80. I mean, follow it up totally. with a— Let's do it. Follow it up with, you know, a, a nice little climb here and there. Um, like Mount Exactly. Um, so, it, so yeah, tell me about the, the new one. Are, okay, so these kind of books are awesome because it's just like two-page stories, like just short stories. They're fun, inspirational, cool. 
And so um, also Barefoot Ted is in there. He's like the um, cool. you know founder of Luna Sandals. But my story is about Badwater, and it starts with like when I had the opportunity to pace and crew Dean Carnazzi's in 2009, mm-hmm. and then I talk about when I ran it myself in 2010. So it kind of flip flops mm-hmm. back and forth, and it's cool. I I really like a lot of the stories in there. I remember so, reading part um, of that. Okay, yeah. You, I mailed you a copy. You sent me like an early. Ad- early kind of what do you think about where i'm going with this i, I remember now i'm sorry I did. Yeah. yeah yeah i wasn't sure what to write about so there's a lot to write about you know when you do so many races so well yeah. par- apparently it worked out okay um uh-huh. since it you did. made you made yeah. print yeah well i look yeah, forward to reading it in there. yeah thank you julie <laughs> julie what what have you written recently i mean i know you try to help horrible writers write books, so thank you. <laughs> um, what, yeah, I'm really excited. My article um, about the last call 50 miler in Colorado just just came out in Ultra Running Magazine. It's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. That's, um, Congratulations. Thanks. I'm really excited about it. And then just on a personal note, I just just finished up my Bigfoot recap, which I don't know, was kind of an emotional therapeutic thing to get out there, I think. You finish a big race and you're like, oh, I really need to get the story out there. But instead, I think I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> so to sleep. Where do you have that published? Um, it's actually on my blog, uh, livealtrarunning.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to record a copy of it so you, people who don't have time to just sit down and read a blog can just, you know, listen to it on, on the go. We've behind the yeah behind the scenes. Julie and I have talked about this is like this new platform where people don't have time to sit down and read blogs anymore. And if you could capture it in audio format for either your run or your commute, I mean it's just like audiobooks. And we both know Michelle. I mean I know you and I consume audiobooks like crazy. Um, Yeah it just seems like it makes so much sense to be able to take a race report and make it digestible to your listener. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll give a, a sneak peek to the listener, either this episode or in a future episode of what Julie's working on, or I'm sure Julie, you're working on actually having a full blown podcast or blog cast. Yeah. I don't know what I you call know. it. It's different. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be a blog cast of short stories. It's cool. It's unique. Yeah, I th- yeah, it should be fun. It should be really fun. I'll, I'll do some of my own stories, and then I think if it grows and people like it, then I can start incorporating other people's stories too, and and have different people, you know, share what's going on and how their race went. And it's not going to be necessarily race report for information purposes. Like I want it to be the story of the race. See, I would subscribe. I would pay the same amount for Ultra Runner Magazine because I know the quality of their content. And we had just talked to Amy a few weeks ago. But if I could get that all in audio as a podcast, I would actually subscribe and pay money for that kind of higher quality content. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, Michelle. Yes, Rob. How have you been? I feel like I haven't talked to you in like half a year. What's going on? I'm good. It was, What's going it on? It was so funny today. It was funny because like the photographer of the Iron Leg race texted me and he just happened to be one of your Patreon supporters. So it's such a small world, you know, 
So I was really excited about that. And he was saying cool. that um, you need to come run Iron Legs. Well, I mean, next year is going to be interesting. I The timing with UTMB is my only concern there because I got declined, yeah. luckily, this year. So right. I think it's pretty good odds that I get into UTMB next year. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just timing. I was thinking about what what is that race in Canada that got the really what's like the top sinister? Yeah, I was thinking sinister seven because that RD was super yeah. nice to us, and he offered to actually have have me at that race, and it coincided with some other race. I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, the next timing year. on that is much better than because it's like July fourth. Yeah, so you have plenty of time. Well, if I don't yeah. get in the States, maybe I'll consider Sinister, but um, do you have any other races on the schedule, either biking or running this year, or are you just chilling? No, I don't have any more on the schedule right now, but um, I'm open to putting something on there. Maybe okay. a bike race. That was, that was a little easier than running, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't train that well for this race, but you know, I just kind of gutted it out. And I couldn't even walk downstairs for two days after I was mean, <laughs> no, this no. Like, this should be one of these races that's like a golden ticket race or some kind of, like, qualifying thing because it's so underrated. Like, I love these races in Canada because it reminds me of how racing used to be in the States like 10, 15 years ago. You can just kind of sign up the day before and go. And it's such a beautiful course. Like, there's no road. It's just tons of climbing and just in the deep wilderness and just gorgeous you know i never expected to be running in snow in august it was like running in christmas time or something but it was a really (laughs) really really tough course like it seems in canada they always put the biggest climbs right at the end like i know at bigfoot rob was saying he was negative splitting and like it's such a welcoming thing when you're like no you're halfway done and you're kind of getting to more road sections or maybe a little gentler terrain yeah but that's not really how it works where i just raced but it's interesting i definitely want to do it did again (laughs) yeah there's some race directors that like to put that early just to mess with you and like destroy your legs early um i remember we were talking to sherpa john and he like intentionally puts climbs in at certain junctions to like really have you question yourself and it sounds like that one at the end actually would be pretty rough (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so michelle what are you wondering about bigfoot that you could ask julie and i because i know you probably i just like i have a few right imagine i just can't imagine it like (laughs) after doing this race that like took 14 hours it's it's just weird like whenever i race in canada i have to like double or triple my time of my normal times race times and i was just thinking of you guys and like how do you stay out there so long (laughs) and and stay focused and like you're going through storms and your hallucinations, Rob. I know you had a few about Halloween. <laughs> and uh, I just want to know how you do it. Like, oh, also with the feet. Like, um, I sort of destroyed one of my foot because uh, I wore old shoes. And I thought it would be good to wear, like, broken-in shoes. But that was a total mistake. And since hmm. the climbs downhill were so steep, like, the part, it was sort of open, like, dug into the side of my foot and it's still 
it's still like Ooh. a deep gash. And Yikes. I was thinking of you because you're always like pulling off your exoskins and being like, oh, it looks like I barely ran a 10 <laughs> but now I, under- I understand. Like, I'm like, whatever, good, good job. But now I totally understand it because you have to have that skin in good shape. And there's no way, like, well, don't I mean, ask for you. you. Don't ask you Julie. Don't ask. Don't ask. Uh-oh. Don't ask Julie hey. about feet. Um, hey, I'm becoming a foot expert, especially okay. after these two hundreds. Ironically, <laughs> didn't you wear a brand new pair of shoes? I wore a brand new pair of shoes. Yeah, um, I did actually. And yeah, we made a joke before the race, like we look like such novices because our shoes are so <laughs> clean. But once you find the, once you find the right size and fit and model and everything yeah. like i'm not afraid to put on brand new shoes for a race anymore it's more of finding yeah. it that's the the point of contention with my feet but uh, i mean feet i've made i've said it like a million times it's and exoskin does not recommend putting stuff on your feet just fyi mm-hmm. i lather mm-hmm. on squirrels nut butter um and I mm-hmm. try to change them at every opportunity that I have because it takes like two minutes. And mm-hmm. if, if you can throw an extra pair of socks in your drop bag, those exoskin toe socks for me work really well. And um, I wore Ultra Olympus two and a halfs and the three mm-hmm. 3.5s. Um, and I just, it has a little bit of cushion compared to like a Lone Peak, which normally like if it was all flat train would bug me but these these climbs were insane um yeah wow and so the the extra little cushioning really really helped because 40 i think we had forty three thousand feet of descent which is just it takes a toll on you i mean julie what did you do for your feet uh so i was hyper careful about my feet um, just because I destroyed them at Moab last year. Um, so mm. I did uh, body glide with dry max and then I did, I switched to the exoskin toe socks actually once my feet started to swell and I wanted to separate my toes a little bit more. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, That's maybe smart. starting with them earlier would make sense too. I don't know that not having them did anything. I think having them all the way through would make, would make sense and changed my shoes a lot and then there's a couple little spots, just just calluses on the bottom that I know are prone to crack. And so about a third of the way in, probably, I start leukotaping those just carefully mm-hmm. um, and as minimally as possible. I am not a believer in taping your feet, especially not before beforehand. Yeah. But when a problem mm-hmm. comes up, then I will tape it and just a little bit what I need and really smooth. I'm really particular about that. You take the and then five minutes. You race. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, if you get or when you get blisters, I should say, unless you're Rob. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't get any. <laughs> yeah. He has like a force field, like some Star Wars sort of Yoda power to be like, do not come to me. Do or do not come to destroy my feet. Just floating through that shit. <laughs> For the rest of us, then I immediately take care of blisters and then tape over that spot, too. So I, I'm I'm good about foot care. and And it shows, like, after Bigfoot. Even though we were in water for many crossings and an entire night and a 19 mile stretch after that night, uh, my feet are actually in pretty decent shape. You didn't have socks at that drop bag between 18 uh, miles yeah. and 19. No, I did, but that okay. was—I mean, that was like nine hours of 19 hours yeah, or 19 miles in a downpour. Very, very steep. 
Oh, okay. And, okay. And, and, yeah, what shoes do you wear, Julie? Ultras. Uh, so okay. I'm really liking the new Timps. Um, but I did just pick up mm-hmm. the new... You there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like those just are wide enough where my feet have enough room to splay, especially as, as they get swollen. And so I just have right. such, such good luck with them. And it takes a while to get into the zero drop, but um, I've become a pretty big fan of them. And then I also, I see how they treat their athletes, as weird as that sounds. And I'd like to support that too. Um, yeah. So, because I've seen a lot of horse stories behind the scenes and it's just nice to see a company that like legit has, um, has like really backed athletes and believed in them through the highs and the lows. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of hallucination stories, I think um, I had a really, really nice group of people that waited for me and I probably slowed mm-hmm. them down a little bit on these climbs. Mm-hmm. They probably were like, okay, we can use this as an excuse to get a breather in because it was so steep. But to be bonking and kind of hallucinating in an ugly stretch where there are drop-offs that are maybe 500 to 1,000 feet on sides is not oh. not like an ideal time <laughs> to see a taco stand on the side of um, drop-offs. So, um, Do you hallucinate more when you're alone or like unless when you're around like a group of people or doesn't matter? It, it doesn't matter to me. It, it just mm-hmm. depends on the amount of sleep I get. So if I'm really, right. really low on sleep, um, I can tell for sure. I yeah. mean, I'm yeah. interested to know what, what Julie, that mean? um, that means less. I, I don't even know if there's an actual number, but yeah. Like what would you say is a low amount of sleep? Like going into the below, second or third below day of minimal... an hour for me per day oh, yeah. Yeah. is where, oh, so it, one one hour per twenty four needs to be sleep for me personally, and I'm kind of a heavier sleeper. I think some of these guys uh-huh. can go uh, on half the amount of sleep I'm doing, which I think is wow. freaking insane. But uh, Julie, right. Julie tried that. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so I pushed my sleep a little too far, um, and I paid mm-hmm. for it dearly on the third night. Um, you know, I've oh. done, I've done tough hundreds where you're out there for 36 or 38 hours. So I thought, well, I know what that is. I'm going to push it until at least 36 hours before I sleep. And then I thought I'm going to do 15 minute trail naps when I need. And then just, just a kickstart just to reboot. And then whenever I need one, I'll reboot and I'll just keep going. And it worked actually at first, you know, I can do that first 36 and the first, you know, few naps were kind of awkward because I couldn't fall asleep right away. And, you know, you lay down to, to sleep and your mind is still kind of racing. You still are thinking like, okay, what do I need in my drop bag? Hey, my crew is outside. I should go see them. Like you can't just rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I, Sorry. I could not. <laughs> I was snor- I was snoring. <laughs> Yeah, there was there was one time where I was like, Rob, I just need to lay down. Like, I just need 15 minutes. And he was like, oh, really? Like, okay, I guess. Like, it's the middle of the night. So I laid down. I set a timer on my phone. And I hear him snoring. And I'm just like, I'm just, I can't even sleep. Like, I'm the one that needs to sleep. And I can't sleep. I'm just laying in my space blanket for no reason. So that <laughs> but, space blanket really helps you? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was a lifesaver. For me, so it's just season. like a bug barrier. <laughs> like, I just wanted to know, like, spiders aren't crawling all over me. <laughs> no, no. What it is, is it's a good insulation. Because when you when you do lay down and you, you stop moving, your heart rate instantly slows. And when you actually fall you asleep, your, yeah, it keeps your heart you warm. rate slows even more. So you take this 15-minute nap, and you went to bed warm and bundled up, or to bed under your place blanket next to a log. And then when you wake up, I was violently shaking every single time, just violently because mm-hmm. my body co- cooled so much. So I learned really quickly not to lay down unless it was at the bottom of a climb. So when I woke up, oh, I could immediately I start climbing and warm up. That makes sense. Yeah, How it much actually did really well. Run with Rob. Uh, the first, the first, not in the beginning. Uh, Rob, Mile 40. Uh, I, no, no, it wasn't 40. 40. It was like 35 maybe is where I dropped my, or oh. left my poles. Yeah, Rob had to go oh, back yeah. to get his poles. 35 yeah. to, I don't know. Uh, 100? I was going to say 100. But it was off and on That's too. Yeah, well, it wasn't just consistent, but, but leapfrogging. Yeah, we run yeah. the same pace a lot of times. That's why we ran together in Moab almost, what, we went off trail in Moab. That's how we even met. Um, yeah. But and yeah, for some reason. It was the same thing. Reason, it was that first hundred that we were leapfrogging and then you were faster. Did you hallucinate, Julie? I didn't, I've never, I never emailed you and asked you. No hallucinations where I was seeing something totally, totally crazy. It's the same thing where you look and you're like, oh, there's a witch. Nope, it's a log. Oh, there's a fox. Nope, it's a fern. I mean, yeah, your eyes play that's tricks not really, on you. Yeah, that always happens, but that's not yeah. really a hallucination, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it it's a hallucination. It's early. Just, yeah. And you know what's happening. You know it's not what it looks like. And then when you actually look mm-hmm. at it, it's like, oh, no, that's definitely some rocks. When you start reacting to what you're seeing, I think that's probably kind of the the first official like <laughs> like a snake or something but um julie like I, i'm trying to explain to people about the halloween stuff that i saw in the dark in the taco woods. stand where you were like hola the guy the guy i was climbing with during that section mike who's a super nice dude i think he's a firefighter um yeah emt guy uh he he was like Rob, I'm really glad you didn't wait in line for tacos back at that tacos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, yes. But but they were on sale. I saw the sale signs all the way up. Yeah, um, and meanwhile, yeah. you're like, no, I just want a taco. <laughs> um, but wait, the, you, you the guys dark... are crazy. Do you, lo- do you like Candace? Like, do you love Candace more after Bigfoot or less? Like, was this more torturous in a different kind of way, even though it was a shorter distance, or was it I'll let you answer first there. I think I got a lot. um, She gained some respect from me big time. And not not necessarily that it was lacking before. It was just like, wow, this is an extremely well-crafted course. There's, what, four out and backs? And at first I was like, that is so ridiculous. It's already 200 miles. You know, you look at the course map and you're like, why do we have this two tenths of a mile out and back? Exactly. Down? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then when you're there, you're like, oh, this is why. Because it's the most gorgeous scenery that, you know, some of the most astounding mountain tops I've ever stood on. That's the one and thing. So, mm-hmm. That's the one thing. Impressed. Like Julie and I hit that storm and we teamed up to get through like 
in terms of safety because that was a violent storm. I don't know if many people really realize how many lightning strikes there were. And during the TV show, you might, you'll hear an interview of a girl that um, was 10 feet away from a lightning strike and dropped at the next aid station. I can't, I won't share that yet. Um, She's okay. But there, there were some serious, like, I mean, I think 40 people dropped at an aid station, which these are 200 milers. These aren't like, yeah, yeah, this isn't their first race. um, Clearly. So yeah, we got through that storm, but then once it blew off and then, um, there was a sunrise. I was so lucky that I was with Julie to selfishly, she was there for a picture. I could take her picture, but it was like the most amazing <laughs> sunrise yeah. I've ever experienced my whole life. Like it's truly hard yeah. to even put into words because it was so unreal. It felt like a dream. Mm-hmm. It was a hallucination, but not really. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I have photo evidence. Sorry, well, it was lucky that at the end of the storm, it ended with this giant climb up Mount Margaret. And in the mm-hmm. dark, it's just like, wow, this is super rocky. This is super vertical. Great. And then as it was even before the sun came up, I started realizing like it looked like sea smoke almost below us, like mm-hmm. almost fog. And then it was that we were climbing above the clouds. And so we could you wow. could barely, barely make it out. You couldn't even see the peaks. You couldn't really see where you were. And then all of a sudden the sun started rising um, kind of to the side of Rainier as we're as we're summiting the highest point on the entire course. Like it could not have been better time. What, what and it's total total accident. What she won't tell you is she couldn't see up there because she's leaning over poles ready to puke. Um That was one time. That was one time. <laughs> did either of you guys puke? No. Uh, I did I, later in the race. I had a good race. Yeah. In terms of that. Um Right. No, for for Julie, she was really hit a wall there, and I yeah. think yeah. I literally was just like, okay, let's go through the checklist. We'll figure this out, and then I think you just took one salt pill, and it pretty much like fixed you. I think yep. I think for yeah, that, the nausea went away right away. And then, it was more nausea than sickness. We were climbing, and it was I think yeah. through the night and through the rain. I didn't eat and drink very much. We just kept moving, and it was it was catching up to me. Sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you there. If I did, um, you know, there's no one that listens, so it's okay. Michelle, don't tell anyone. Um, if you don't want to be embarrassed, I don't think you should run all Wait, so, Oh my God. It's true. Right. For each of you, what is like the one thing that you learned from this race that maybe you didn't learn at, you know, Moab or CCC or like some other big Ooh, tough good question. I'll, I'll start. Sleep bonking is a thing. So I've always yeah. just... I've always thought bonking is just lack of food. That's it. And if you're lacking sleep, you know, your eyelids get a little heavy. No big deal. I mean, you just need to sleep eventually, but you'll still move, but you're not moving because you're not eating. You know, it's just calories. That's it. Like, that's where my my head was. Um, and uh-huh. I quickly realized, and it's honestly, it might be thanks to Julie saying, okay, Rob, I need to sleep. I need 15 minute nap. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Like a quick cat nap. Um was and it was the second one after we were waiting out this long rainstorm and freezing our butts off in this aid station and I I was curled up in my chair with the wool blanket all the way around me trying to like just survive there. Oh. But we left yeah. the aid station feeling good, like, okay, we got out. This is great. And then like I hit a wall big time. 
and I couldn't keep my eyes open. So I tried to eat some gels and it just kept getting like, it was the same thing. And then Julie's like, okay, I got to take a nap. And that's when I was snoring that one time. Um, I laid down like immediately right on the trail with the emergency blanket to stay warm, not for bugs who would do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Clearly I needed a, some kind of barrier to stay warm. Um, No, but I slept for 15 minutes there and I felt like hyper refreshed. And that's actually, I think that's the point where I took off and uh, Julie kind of just stayed where she was for the most part. Um, And I mean, you kept moving forward, but I was, I was running after that nap. And I realized at that point, like you can bonk, you can sleep bonk. Like you just need enough sleep um, to reset that system. I don't know if I'm even explaining that in any kind of sensible terms, but, um, yeah, but it's, it's like weird to understand to me. Like when I listen to you talk about Bigfoot and how, wow, a 15 minute nap refreshed you. Like, how is that really possible? That's, you have to experience it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense until you're there and you do it. Uh Uh-huh. And it's Uh not like it's truly replenishing your energy levels or really healing anything. What happens is you go from, I can't focus. My eyes are bouncing all over the trail with my headlamp. I can't really form coherent thoughts. I don't feel good and I don't know why. You lay down for 15 minutes and you wake up and you're like, all right, let's go. At least your eyelids, Uh like your your eyes can stay focused forward as opposed to like they roll around in your head. It's really weird. (laughs) And your eyelids feel so heavy. Um, so it, it might not be a refreshing, that's a really good, um, explanation. I mean, cause you do that's bob really around, yeah. you bob around like a drunk person. You can't really figure out why <laughs> yeah. you can't walk straight. It's cause your eyes are all over the place and like, yeah, you can reset that system. Yeah. Uh, I Your turn. Something. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That was great. I think that was a lesson I learned also. I had the big thing that I learned. So I was really excited to go into Bigfoot. I've obviously trained for the Triple Crown and thought about it for a year. Um, but, you know, there's just been other things going on in life. It's not like running is the only uh, only thing that we think about and deal with in our lives. So going into Bigfoot, um, maybe mentally I wasn't quite as steeled and hadn't taken the time to prepare for it just in my own mind. It was kind of like, well, here we go. Let's do it. You know, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually read an article recently that that talked about like yes running is a lot of willpower and it's a lot of like I will persevere I will push myself but another strategy for finishing races is shutting down exits and that's not something I did I had not shut down or closed the exits before the race so when I started struggling and having a hard time in the race all those doors to the DNF or to quitting or all the ways out were still open. So then not Ooh. only are you trying to continue, but there's a way out and an excuse and a reason and a justification around every corner. And I hadn't shut the exits. So for me, I learned that before I go into a race like that, like obviously respect the distance, physically, obviously prepare, mentally take the time to prepare, shut the exits, know what your goal is. Um, kind of make the pave the road a little bit for yourself 
Um, otherwise, it just gets really gnarly, especially when you're alone in the woods in the back country. <laughs> did you cut I, the exits like when you ran Moab, or did you yeah. cut the exits at at Bigfoot like during Bigfoot, or or you every time I. No, you have to. Like every time one comes uh-huh. up, then you have to take the time to stop and slam that door and lock it and then go to the next one. And that one's open too. So you got to slam that door and lock it. And it's just a lot more energy consuming than had you close them ahead of time. Moab, I, so what you know, kind I, of, uh-huh. yeah, it didn't happen at Moab. I had done it ahead of time. I was ready for it. I had, uh-huh. you know, somebody with me, I had pacers I, you know, knew and we had good conversation and and I was lucky, you know, at Bigfoot to have pacers for a little bit too, but but I spent so much time alone and then just being emotionally and mentally unprepared that a lot of demons came out. It's a it was a hard race. Um, yeah, I've never. Yeah. I, I mean, it's embarrassing to say, but I've never had a more emotional race ever. It was That's just not hard. embarrassing. I don't think. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I it's open. Yeah, I luckily I exited right at the perfect time. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. That was that was rough. <laughs> you did, you did. Uh, <laughs> Good Michelle, judgment on your part, Rob. <laughs> Michelle, for for your background, um, I forget what the response was. I was I was trying to help her at one point right after that nap, and I was all hyperactive. And I think, I think Julie is just like, you know what? No, I'm good. I don't need help. Like just. Just go, just go, <laughs> just get out of here. Like, no, and so I, I took eyes, off. I, said, I didn't ask for your help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> just as mean. Just like, like, whoa, <laughs> this is a good time to pick up my pace. Um, <laughs> Come on, Rob. Didn't you cry at all during Bigfoot? <laughs> no, not that I remember. I mean, I might have blacked <laughs> out out there for all I know. Um, when the tacos were sold out. Wow. <laughs> uh, I I had to wait till the next taco stand, which took me I don't know seventy five miles. So um, it was it was hard without a crew, without a pacer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I loved that experience. It like that course is so wild. It's almost too much to have a big team there. Um, it's almost yeah. more. And you had a higher purpose too. I did. I I, yeah, I did. I too. almost. I almost rolled my ankle bad at mile seven and I had kind of a, like a weird heart to heart with myself where I'm like, don't let this, this girl down. Like I know that yeah. their family and her are probably watching the GPS tracker right now. Like you need to focus on every footstep. And like, I really had a kind of a self-talk situation where, I mean, if I had rolled it any harder, I mean, it could have swollen up and been a lot, lot different story there for that race. But, um, the people at two hundreds, I just, I don't know why I relate so much to almost every runner's mentality out there, but it's very easy to, um, team up with people. And it was a fun, like little extra challenge just to see if I could do it. And now that I know it's not like I need to prove anything i wasn't trying to prove it to anyone at the beginning but it's definitely like tahoe 200 i'm gonna definitely have at least one or two people to crew because the logistics of i mean when you roll up you roll up and you have like thirty-five thousand feet of gain on your legs and you sit down in a chair (laughs) and then you're like oh my drop bag and you look around and like 
you know, people are busy doing yeah. stuff and you have to get up and get your own drop bag and like fill up all your nutrition. Like I use liquid calories. So I'm having to like do a lot of that. Um, it was just, men- yeah. it was mentally just hard yeah. to do that. I don't know. I actually can't believe that you did Bigfoot without a crew. But that's amazing to me. Like, that's a whole different level. I mean, I think I've tried to explain this to a few people, but my I've had a mental breakthrough in the past 30 days, roughly, on my pain threshold. So you might have seen, like, my my runs, my training have gotten faster. Um, I feel... Yeah, yeah significantly. I, I truly believe... Um, like my understanding of pain has changed since taking on this fundraiser. So it sounds really weird, but like I can do a hard effort now during like a lunch run and my perception of pain has just been totally altered. And I think that might've played out in that race a little bit was just understanding of suffering on like a whole different level. Um, Like maybe I broke through a pain limit of some sort recently just understanding pain on a human level that's unlike uh, anything I've ever seen before right and being able to recognize the difference between productive pain and destructive pain like knowing that when you Mm. rolled your ankle you know at that moment well you probably were worried about it and stuff but then you like assess the situation and you know you had to continue on and stuff but now that you're doing all these fast lunch runs and things that you're understanding you can like like sort of like grasp that uncomfortableness easier just yeah. because you have yeah. more experience and yeah no if it's acute yeah it's it's different um i i've been fortunate with um ever since changing my foot strike reading born to run um, to more mid to almost back. Um, and from the pictures at the end of my races, obviously it's a little bit of a heel, but, um, I, my ankle stability's changed so I can get away with more. Um, but yeah, the pain thing, it's just like a human level uh, of suffering that like you see these, um, chemotherapy videos with children in them. And it's like a, like Celia, like an eight-year-old girl, like the most innocent person on the planet, like that's going through some of the toughest things. And it's, it just makes everything that I'm doing that I've built up in my head as like my big A race goal just seem like almost silly. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's still important to me, don't get me wrong, but yeah, once you start running for like a bigger cause, like a much bigger cause in yourself is when... I don't know. Maybe that's that's been my my recent breakthrough, honestly, in training. Because I've definitely, ever since Bigfoot or Big Horn, um, yeah, taken on a new level, and I think that actually coincides with what was going on with uh, with when Celia had her thing show up. So, I like that idea of constructive pain and destructive pain. That that's that's a good way to put it. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Thank you. Michelle, you'd be a really good writer. Um, <laughs> you should do more than one Am I chapter. Write a book now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my dad's always saying. Michelle on pain. It's <laughs> a lot of work. That audio book you did is. <laughs> oh, God. That's a lot of work. That was harder <laughs> than writing the book. Uh, 
where do you, where do we want to take this? What do you what do you want to know about anything? Any last questions, Michelle? Um, well, I, okay, so you were you were talking about like oh you really relate and can like really uh, you know the two hundred mile people out on the course you can just link up with and <laughs> kind of just have this like how is that different from like a fifty k person or a hundred mile person like is it the same? Because even at Iron Legs when I ran it like. I hooked up with some people and like now we're friends <laughs> sort of, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. you hook up with these people and cause I couldn't even breathe. I'm running this race. I have this pack that's probably heavier than like UTMB pack, at least to me, it has like the bear spray and three huge flasks and like stuff. I'm not used to carrying <laughs> just like everything, the fleece, the jackets, the gloves. I'm like, why do I need all this? Like I, I live in California and I run in Luna sandals and like jog run. I, and I don't, I'm like, I'm not going to train like that. I don't want to train with all that weight. And I, I felt like I was running with like one quarter of a lung the first three hours. <laughs> and I just kind of like running along in this group. And the one guy was like, don't worry, it'll open up. Don't worry. And he was right. And we kind of like leapfrog and you just, you know, you sort of bond with these certain people that are around your same pace. And it's just, it's just <laughs> that's one of my favorite things about racing, I think. Oh my gosh, me too. I mean, so, uh, today yeah. I was today I was actually in a message group um, with friends that I met at Moab last year because we've stayed in touch and it's been almost a year and we're gonna run together next year and one's from Australia one's from the UK and two of us live in the states like we we're not <laughs> we're not neighbors but but the yeah. miles you share out there something happens so and I've tried to explain it to coworkers I've tried to explain it to non runners and I feel like an idiot kind of <laughs> because. This person you didn't know that you spent 70 miles with or 30 miles with suddenly, like, needs to come to your wedding. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. You get to know people. Um, So, and and I will throw it out there that uh, Julie and I hiked through snow at Bigfoot. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. That was right after the lightning storm. Like, that's how high up. Uh, that goes, but, um, to your point, so there's sections on Bigfoot that are 18, I think it was like 18 and a half miles without any kind of aid station. And so then you hit one aid station and you have 19 miles and this is mile like Mm -hmm. 160, let's call it. So, so when, when I say like 200 milers, like what I'm referencing there is more of like the amount of time that you spend together is vast. So like those two sections could uh-huh. take you 24 hours. So, um, oh, I see. and, mm-hmm. and, and also the field is only 175 and then 40 people yeah. dropped at mile 40. So yeah. it's so spread out that there aren't, um, vast amounts of people and mm-hmm. none of us are racing. We're all trying to work together as much as possible yeah. because, yeah. This distance isn't even like Candace doesn't have clocks on the courses or at the finish line, like because I think she says something to the effect that just finishing this in itself is like a lifetime achievement. So yeah, it's not necessarily a race for most people. So I think that's more what I'm referencing is the fact that you go through just two sections, one aid station in the middle. You spend 24 hours with someone. Um, yeah, they're coming to my wedding or, you know, they're coming wherever, like, 
Like you get to know people really well after it. I had a spot. I was having a really hard time. I was on a 19.4 mile section right after Klickitat. So it was like 180 miles into the race. I mean, it's great because you're near the end, but it's not great because it's an extremely difficult game trail with nobody around. And so I hadn't seen anybody in ages. Like I had spent the entire section alone and all of a sudden my phone started going off and I hadn't had service in like three days. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is great. I can like hear from somebody. I'm not alone in the wilderness. <laughs> and so I, I immediately called my husband. Um, and and so we started talking and maybe 30 seconds into our conversation, somebody came up behind me and I was like, I have to go. I have to go. I have company. Like <laughs> the, the power of company is so important out yeah. there like, that's I exactly <laughs> i was going through brush that was up to my shoulders at one point and i have a waist uh kogala like light so it's like blacking out every few seconds and it's wet i think it might have been drizzling it was like always raining at some point in those woods um mm-hmm. and it's eerie how quiet it was and I'm just out here. I'm like out in the middle of nowhere. I can't. He- I didn't have headphones because I dropped those in a drop bag way back, and it's just eerily quiet. And I got I got spooked. I have never been out in the woods and gotten spooked. But like the next road that I got to, I just sat down and ate food and waited. And that's when I saw those. <laughs> yeah. That's when when James and Mike and Cami showed up. And um, nice. God, they helped me so much getting through that section. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I had were, were you a... the most scared like at, during that lightning storm together? Were you is that the most scared you've ever sort of been? Because I know at Never Summer you experienced the lightning storm and that kind of happened. So the light but... the lightning strike that was that was a weird situation because I was out in the open when that lightning struck the side of the mountain. Um, and that probably oh. struck a half a mile to like maybe three fourths of a mile away from me. That freaked me right. out a lot because I was in a burnt out section and literally I was, there was nothing higher than me for a quarter of a mile all the way around. Oh. Um, this was different. The lightning strike that hit really close to Julie and I was maybe, what would you say, Julie, like a quarter of a mile? Yeah. Less maybe? I don't know. Probably. I don't was, know. There was so much lightning. It was it was a weird time because thirty seconds earlier, I was like, "Julie, I think we should probably like hold up a little bit. There might be the tail end of the storm." And then, what was your response? Now it's done. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're good. And, and I'm an optimist. <laughs> and then we almost got hit by lightning. Um, <laughs> would have been a bad way to go out well and we were standing before we even started that section we're standing in this horribly like it's raining so hard the tent is starting to like concave and drip through between the tents and these drenched people are coming in and i like looked at rob and i was like i think we have to go and he like looked at me and looked outside and it's pouring pouring buckets buckets of rain and i was like no i'm serious like i think we have to go I was, now i was like i need <laughs> like i need uh... five minutes to put my gear on or <laughs> something like that but it was raining so hard i put a poncho over my raincoat <laughs> I, you did you did 
I don't I'm know if I would have I don't know if I would have been dumb enough to go out during it, honestly. Um <laughs> and in the thought no, of having good. someone dumber like just drag me out. Um it was it was basically dumb and dumber out there, like um so like beavis and butthead it, it, it basically was um to, to, in all reality in all honesty my thought was the storm is getting worse they're gonna keep us here and i didn't want to get stuck there oh yeah i was like let's get out before they close yeah, the station because it's too dangerous we were half a, <laughs> probably half a mile so we we went down this road almost took a wrong turn that was kind of weird um and got on the trail, and it was, like, muddy and soggy. I would say four inches of water in sections pooling in the Definitely. middle. And we got to the point where just, like, just not even talking. Not even talking. <laughs> just, like, trenching through, like, like it's, like, I don't know. It, it suffer was, flow. It, suffer flow? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's your thing. Sucker flow. Yeah. This, this was this was like drenched flow. It was like drenched <laughs> drenched hiking flow. Foggy. Yeah, you couldn't even run because it was so just it was disorienting, like with where the rain was coming and then a flash of lightning would light up the area. Um and sometimes it'd light up, you know, across this huge lake and be beautiful and then other times yeah, it was just I, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we got through it and didn't overthink it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that girl didn't get hit by lightning because we were like oh, yeah. right there um, and would have come up on her pretty quickly. Probably some of the first people, honestly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. This has been fun. <laughs> have, either of you, have either of you been to Tahoe or run those trails there? before i haven't no i again back to this really dumb story of me trying to film western states and running a half half marathon um to get to the next aid station because my car went yeah uh into a snow drift and someone had to it was it was not a pretty situation so um out of desperation, I got out of the car and I ran a half marathon to the next aid station to make sure to get the shot <laughs> um, <laughs> while carrying a camera. And this, yeah, I, I squeaked in like maybe six or seven minutes before Wamsley was on like course record pace and yeah. got, I got the shot um, and and the rental car made it. Um, <laughs> but Thank goodness. Those, those trails are super plush i mean michelle have you spent much time out at lake tahoe what what should we expect oh yeah yeah well i mean it's dusty right there's bears (laughs) (laughs) i've uh robble like that i I mean uh, don't worry i i have an emergency blanket so i'll (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean it's uh some parts are sort of running like on a plush soft pine needle sort of carpeted forest and then others can be rocky but for me running in Tahoe I always feel the elevation I don't know how high Mm. was Bigfoot like how do you guys do with elevation Bigfoot's low surprisingly low Uh uh-huh Leadville went okay for me yeah yeah uh last call went okay for the first 30 miles 
Um, I'm okay. Breathe at all during that race. <laughs> I, I'm really good with altitude. I'm I'm probably gonna go up and do something in Leadville this weekend. So. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I mean you're gonna love it. It's beautiful trails, and I'm sure Candace designed something amazing like she always does. Like, what would you say sets Candace's races apart from other hundreds? Ooh. Or, or even further. There's yeah, there's not really many besides like what Tour de Jansen. Yeah. What else is there for two hundreds? <laughs> Some Australian, yeah. 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 Uh, maybe. Right. I guess it's not necessarily Texas. particular to the 200-mile distance, although it probably contributes to it. The first thing I thought of when you asked that is the culture. Like, there's a few special races around the Midwest, um, uh, especially ones put on by Rocksteady Running, but it's created its own community and its own culture that you just almost don't find anywhere else. And when you're part of it, it feels like family. Like, you feel... Mm-hmm. Like you belong and you want everyone there to succeed. It has just like this really connected, uplifting feeling. And like when I walk into packet pickup or the pre-race meeting, I feel that same feeling. There's, I mean, unless I'm really naive, it's there's no drama. I'm sure there's competition, but it's not aggressive. It's like everybody being like, oh, great job. Like, it's so good to see you. How have you been? How's your training? Can't wait to see you out there. You know, how's yeah, your exactly. family? Yeah. So the the culture of it is what I love so much. Yeah, the culture is awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Well, my my answer was even better. Better the first <laughs> the first thing I thought of was the eight station food. Um, <laughs> that's actually really. I've heard about that. Which is it's horrible. So that's why it's Julie edit, edits edits my thoughts. Um, because because the culture is definitely a part of it for sure it's a huge part um also the trails are non-repetitive which is huge yeah Um, that's true too because it well designed it it adds to the sense of exploration that you don't get anywhere else um and it also when things suck you can just run and like get it over with and know that you don't have to go back (laughs) like yeah when you cross that stream you're like well, screw you, you know, stream, but totally. I'm, yeah, I'm not coming back ever again. Like, I don't need to cross you ever again, um, which just keeps you moving forward. And that's true. Those aid stations keep you going. And yeah, you're you're with the community rolling forward. So, yeah, um, you want to know what comes next. Like you want to. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to DNF because you're like, well, but I didn't climb Elk Peak yet. Like, but I haven't seen. It's like a movie. You know, you, yeah, you can't quit before the ending. Oh, yeah, there you go. That you're analogy. living. Yeah, you're living in it. Yeah, it's it's cool. <laughs> it's just a horror film sometimes. For for Julie, <laughs> right right around mile hundred. Uh, it's a thriller, you know. It got scary. I ran off. Um, yeah. If anyone's listening, they're somebody... doing Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, don't try to help Julie. Hey, let's not start that reputation. I'm joking. I'm sure Michelle's the same way at points during bad races. We all have bad races, and you got yours out early. I mean, seriously. So. Yeah, that's true. If the other two go better, I mean, I'll have nothing but thanks. You're winning the triple crown for females, right? Or you're second yeah. or first or something, right? Yeah, as of, yeah, as of right now. So you say it's, I mean, I, I look at it as a bad race because it wasn't what I 
planned, anticipated, or trained for. But at the same time, I think a lot of us had a hard time out there. And yeah, for sure. I mean, the finisher rate was like below sixty, super low, sixty percent or something. Normally, yeah. wow. Normally, it Candace's really races low. are eighty something percent. Like it's part of her marketing material is how high yeah the finish rates mm-hmm. normally are. It was just, I think that storm really freaked a lot of people out, which I mean makes sense. And it wasn't like it stormed, and then the next three days were nice. It rained every day. Oh, All right, I'm, since I have you on, I'm going to share one or two stories that you might get to see in the Amazon TV show. Um, one of which, Julie and I had just gone through all the plush trail, and I hope you're okay with me sharing this. Um, there is like a rock, kind of like a, a sketch, sketchy kind of rock uh, section that you have to climb over, and then... There's <laughs> maybe like a three or four foot gap into another section that's mud. So you kind of have to hold on to rock, kind of jump, and then hopefully your your feet hold. And I went first and I was like, you know, there's mud on the ground. Be careful. And Julie was behind me. And I'll let you explain what happened. Um, <laughs> do you want to share that one? I mean, not to put you on the spot. No, it's all right. I was going and I was filming at the time. And then... Um, blame You're blaming on me? Uh, kind of, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I took up one of my hands and my vision was not looking at my feet. But um, my left foot slipped. And below, I mean, it's like a ramp. It's like a rock ramp. I don't know, 20 feet down, probably. Just dropped almost, off. Almost yeah. vertical, just yeah. a dropped off uh, into brush and scrub. And so I felt my left foot just totally slip. And so then I was like down into a one-legged squat. And I was like, uh-oh. And Rob's like, what happened? Like, I'm good. It sounded like, you, like, like I wasn't looking. Uh... It sounded like he fell down. <laughs> I know. For a second, I thought I was going to. Like, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Then he looked back and he's like, ah, dude. Like, and you're you hanging really on. give me a hand or anything. You were like... hanging on with like two fingers. You had like a weird like little like wall grip going on and you were a rock climber at one point right she was free soloing like, okay, this I'm a rock this climber like it, i got like, this this is a good hold i can find a route it's fine any other person would have fallen down no seriously like <laughs> well thank goodness i'm a rock climber yeah that was <laughs> that i actually wasn't i did not panic at all I was like, oh, this this is going to hurt. But well, The worst part is the <laughs> film. I reviewed the film, and she clicked off the film right as you just no, hear, right as you hear her falling. So um, <laughs> I probably didn't we'll try to work, didn't a, click it off. work a cliffhanger <laughs> into that. And... A literal cliffhanger. You guys had a few <laughs> sketchy scenarios. Like, it's pretty miraculous you finished. Oh, for sure! I saw the storm down a ravine. Yeah, that's that's the other that's the other part I wanted to share because because I give you crap about a bad race, but you know I'm just you know yeah giving you a hard time. But you literally fell down, and if you see pictures of her leg and how how bruised it was, I mean, I it's still black in the sketchy black like ten inches down my shin bone. Like in the sketchy oh. Halloween Harry Potter woods, I saw her limping like she had ripped something, and then like I slowly realized what was taking place. She came back from that, and then 
explain what happened with this crossing situation. Like, it, was it a river or was it down no, tree? No, it was. So the, it was super, super steep trail, just vertical. No switchbacks either, just up and down. And so I had just taken the trail down and a big, huge fir tree had like gotten stuck in the middle of the ravine and so it was kind of a natural bridge to walk across the trail didn't lead around then the bike fell off and it's obviously the pacific northwest it's damp it's slippery my pacer had gone before me and he was like climbing the next side and i'm trying to navigate this and i don't know if i just was clumsy or not paying attention but i totally slipped and so i slipped off this log and then kind of jammed my leg like my my entire shin between two logs like it was that log and then one next to it but I I hit so hard that I like jammed it and then continued to bounce off it so then I bounced off the logs logs and started rolling down the ravine and then I stopped where sticks and rocks had already fallen down the ravine and kind of caught themselves. So I'm like laying in this net of sticks and rocks and I'm looking below me like 10 feet below me. There's water, like there's a river and I feel like the, the sticks cracking. I'm like, I I literally was laying face down. I'm like, I'm going to fall again. I'm about to break through this. And so my pacer came back. He's like, what happened? Like, where are you? You were just behind me. I was like, I'm down here. Like, I'm coming. So <laughs> luckily, like he reached down and like pulled me back up like a little kid with my, from my shoulder, pretty much. Like, here, grab my hand and I'll pull you up. And then he was like, Are you okay? And I just sat there for a minute. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think so. Did you think but you I, broke I, your I, leg? I initially, initially, I, I did. Um, it it hurt so bad, but what it swelled up to like a softball size. Like, it looked like a softball was under my skin, and then it was bleeding. And then as we, like, as we sat there for a minute, I was like, nah, it's fine. It's just a really bad bruise. We can go. Like, no big deal. But as we kept going, like, the blood kept pooling inside of it and then kind of going down the inside of my legs. So by the time I finished, like, there's like an (laughs) 11-inch bruise just down my leg. How how do you how do you it handle looks, the pain? It looks pretty good though. I know you have a high pain oh, that, tolerance. That actually hurt a lot. But but uh, how how did? Hurt a lot. But tell me, I mean, like, what what was your strategy to deal with that situation? Like, you obviously don't focus on it. Like, did you talk to your pacer more than normal? Like, how do you handle that level of pain? Uh, so for me, it's it's a calculation. It's uh, I'm fine until I'm not. And so, is it broken? No. Is it really sprained? No. Are you fine? Yes. So whether it hurts or doesn't hurt, whether it's bleeding or not bleeding, like, is that a reason to DNF? No. So continue on. There you go. There there you go, listeners. (laughs) If it's not broken, just keep going. Um, Well, yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's a different way of approaching it. Um, Dang. Sensible. These are crazy stories, you know. Like female David Goggins here. Normal to you. (laughs) michelle you have a high pain tolerance too i mean how do you handle high levels of pain like a normal person like is there a normal (laughs) a normal response like like when your feet were killing you at iron legs because you you know the insides you said were of your shoes i I, it was like i didn't i 
I felt something, but I had no idea it was that bad until I got back to the house and like took my shoes and socks. I'm like, oh, okay, now I see. The whole like skin is ripped almost to the bone. Like, okay, oh my I don't know why it hurt. But like, I, I was just like, whatever. I just ignore it. And there was no question of, oh, is this little pain going to like make me not finish? Or like you were talking about the doors closing or opening or yeah. you know, shut the exit doors. But like, that was like a non-issue. It just like doesn't matter. Like you just block it out and yep. keep going. And you, you can't really do much about it. Like I didn't even think right. of, oh, let's try to fix this or stop at an aid station. Like I said, forget it. But then again, I'm running much shorter time and distance than you. So, I mean, what you guys are doing is just a whole nother level. So you'd have to take care of that. Like maybe <laughs> that would have ended my race, like for sure, because it's still bothering me now. So I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. T- <laughs> yeah time so time during two hundreds is weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like a totally different realm. You have to be so patient. I've joked mm-hmm. I've joked that like going to the DMV and like sitting in line for hours is like really good training. But honestly, <laughs> like the first half of Bigfoot, I I was so freaking patient and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think some of my best ultras, I've like intentionally held back for the first half of the race at least. And then only when, you know, you can even think about the finish line, did I attempt to start like really, you know, getting into it. Um, But this race really kind of blew my mind because of how patient I was and how happy I was. I wasn't even really, you know, if I was going a little bit slower at the beginning, I mean, I had a big smile on my face. I was looking around, listening to great music, like having great conversations. (laughs) It was, it was really fun. Um, until that big storm blew in, (laughs) but it was at night. So big advantage to me, like climbing at night, I think has become kind of my strength personally. Hmm. Yeah can't see the top you can't see the top <laughs> <laughs> can only see three feet in front of you it doesn't seem like the mountain is as mountainous <laughs> yeah yeah it's Mich- true michelle what races let's let's finish it up here this has been really fun um i thought the two writer co-host kind of backgrounds with you guys would click i feel like you guys <laughs> you guys are interesting combination here um it's fun do you like us yeah, you guys are awesome. I'll have you guys on okay, ev- more often together. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, fun. So, Michelle, what are you thinking 2020? I know you always have a race on your mind. Come on. Are you going to share anything or are you just you're going to play coy? And... Mm, well, I would like Tour? to go back mm. to what? Nice. Well, I would like to do I would <laughs> I would like to do the Moab 240. I'd like to do UTMB. I want to run the John Muir Trail. Like there's Ooh, things I want to yeah. do and stuff. Distance. Um, <laughs> yeah. More races in Canada. Like go back and uh, do Sinister again and Iron Legs again and do some more bike races. Maybe some more of those Trans Rockies bike races. They have like a lot of races. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following the Trans Selkirk's race race that's like trans rockies but in canada it's like a five-day hundred mile race yeah oh, wow no I good, like that's that's a fun like you should do trans rockies you guys like that would be yeah. fun for you <laughs> yeah a lot of sufferfest but... beer there too so oh, i was yeah. i was thinking about doing it um 
it's it's definitely on my radar. I need to. It'd be fun to actually try to push too because each segment's reasonable. It's like twenty miles tops. I want to say twenty five maybe. And with my understanding of like how sleep and food affect recovery, yeah, I think it would be fun to kind of toy with and push, push. Uh, I don't know, like almost like a stage race mentality. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the eco challenge next year is interesting to me, Michelle. Um, well, you we know can what? Get Dean. I really. <laughs> I think you should do those like beyond the ultimate races. They have like the Namibia race and the jungle in Peru race and the ice ultra. And like, those are cool. They're like five day races. You carry all your stuff. Yeah. It's not like trans Rockies in that sense where like they don't feed you and they don't give you showers and stuff, but like the (laughs) places are amazing. I'd love to do the one in Namibia. I'm trying to get my thoughts towards 2020 because if I do, I I will finish um, the triple. It's just a matter of like that next day. Like I don't know what it is, but after Moab two forty, I had so much trouble. I felt like totally lost at sea and uh, couldn't find my bearings. Like I just really, I always try to plan ahead to avoid post race blues, so that I always have yeah. some kind of goal on the horizon. Because otherwise, I can go down really. This- yeah, always. I mean, I already have Black Canyon 100K on my schedule as oh my ho- gosh. hopefully training for Western States. I'll be optimistic and hopefully a UTMB. Um, I'd like to yeah. volunteer. I want to volunteer at Hard Rock next year. Um, But yeah, there's another little project I might, I'm tempted to think about. Uh, I can't share it yet. But yeah. <laughs> I, I need a season two. You were two. listening. You could share it. <laughs> I need a. I need a. I need a to get. Place. I need to get Amazon to actually sign sign up for season two instead of me having to produce with. Yeah, someone else here. Um. Anyways, Julie, what do you have on your schedule beyond the Triple Crown? Or are you still just focused on Tahoe and and Moab? No, I'm already looking ahead too. Um, I really want to go to Franklin's 200. Um, I've done Lone Star in El Paso, and I volunteered at the inaugural 200 last year. Um, and so I want to go run it this February. And then really exciting, uh, Jess Picari and I, she actually um, won the Franklin's last year. Um, and she won the Triple Crown last year. She and I are going to team up, and at the end of May, we're going to attempt uh, the PCT in entirety Ooh. so we're gonna see what see what can be done <laughs> what what does that mean are you guys so we're down? gonna we're gonna throw it down we're just gonna do it as fast as we can and see what can be done how far is that how many miles 2655 so it's further than the at yeah we're planning to average you know somewhere around 50 miles a day oh boy 28 no more than that no, 20, wait, way more than that. Like eight weeks. Yeah, I was, was <laughs> well, going to say, it's like 70, 70 times that, three, yeah. Um, uh, 58 days. 58 days is the record. Okay, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So these That's you're utilizing 200s as <laughs> training. Training. <laughs> you're training for the PCT. 
<laughs> yeah. With the triple in Franklin's. That's crazy. Uh-huh. That's She's awesome. Same thing. She's going to Franklin's to run the 200K and the 100 mile back to back. I mean, I'm. we'll have you guys on, obviously. And just like with um, Dave Bronlick, I'll I'll try to get a few updates from you guys and have the listeners following along with your adventure. I still need to yeah. follow up with Dave in his madness at the end of his AT, which I'm not going to share. If you want to go onto his Instagram and find out what happened. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be talking to Dave. Yeah. Um, but Michelle, any last words of wisdom? <laughs> Some wisdom? Yes. Yes. Come, come race in Canada. <laughs> Are you paid by like the Canadian whatever travel bureau? Like they need to get you on board. You've probably brought more people to Canada than any goofy ad they have. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny they listen to your podcast. So whenever I'm running, they they know me more for that than anything else. Like, oh, you're Michelle from the podcast. that's funny i i love i i truly do enjoy the canadian listeners except when i get overly excited and i'm like oh you you want a hat i'll send you a hat and then i realize oh shit like shipping to canada is really expensive (laughs) (laughs) it costs more than the hat (laughs) um but yeah, no, I'm I'm very thankful for listeners all over, um, and it's it's crazy that this is still growing. So, um, Julie, words any... of wisdom to you guys is be smart and just don't get geezered. Like you want to be doing this till you're 80, like my dad. So just <laughs> do do what you need to do to stay in this in the long run. Okay, be smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's no really good. That's really good advice. Yeah, yeah. No, no falling off the side of mountains. Um, advi- you advise not going up during lightning storms and climbing. Pretty much everything that we've done wrong. Yeah, no dying. Well, I, I had fun, guys, and appreciate you taking the time. As always, it's cool to have dual kind of co-hosts and yeah if you ever come across someone interesting and the listener too send me an email let me know if you if you think michelle um would be good to co-host a certain person or julie just reach out and i'm excited to read both of their most recent publications so i'll try to put those in the show notes and appreciate you guys thank you thanks man Thank you and good luck at Tahoe, both of you guys. Yeah, thanks. Ringing right now. My dad's buddy. You ready? Is it past his bedtime? <laughs> I hope I made the. <laughs> I hope I called the right number. Well, let's talk to named Liam Meadowless of Chiropractic. You can bypass the screen to leave a message to my pressing panel. I usually work on mornings and evenings, <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. <laughs> Michelle, this is all you, by the way. On Wednesdays, I usually work <laughs> morning and early afternoons. He's not going to call back. I also work sometimes on weekends on special appointments. <laughs> the after the beep. All right, Michelle. Hello, I was calling for Gordon Ainsley. I believe you were interested in registering and training for your first five-kilometer run. Please call me back. My name is Veronica, and my number is 555. You got geezer. Thank you very much, and good evening. 
and I've never ended a podcast that way, but hey, I mean, we're 103 in, so why not? Uh, big thank you again to the show supporters, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Destination Trail, Ultimate Direction, Hammer Nutrition. Check them out. They're big supporters of mine. Um, they support the community, so it's it's easy for me to recommend their gear and what they are um you know, adding to the community. So thank you, those guys. Thank you again to the Patreon supporters. Welcome to the new podcast, uh, Patreon supporters. And have a great week out there. Try to have some fun. And yeah, thank you to Matt Daniels and Lauren Daniels for taking so much time. Thank you to the two co-hosts, Michelle Barton, Julie Moulton. Check out what they have written recently. Very, very good stuff. And get ready we'll have some more exciting stuff coming up here tahoe 200 is not too far away and feel free to email me if you have questions training for ultra at gmail.com if you have interview ideas um be happy to field all ideas i can't promise you know i'll squeeze everything in but i love listening to your guys ideas and i like hearing about your training and racing so Thank you guys. Have an awesome rest of your week. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.